Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 113. Hey, this is Adam Markell, author of Pivot. And if you want to learn how to reinvent your career, you should listen to the episode of the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but First, if you have not done this already, please go ahead and schedule a quick chat with me. I would love to talk with you sometime just for 10 or 15 minutes over the phone. Um, head on over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB. And in the pinned welcome post in the top of my Facebook group, you'll see a link that goes directly to my calendar. And there you can schedule a quick chat. I'd love to talk with you sometime. So I'll catch you there or I'll catch you in the Facebook group. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Adam Markell. Adam is a recognized expert in integration of business and personal development. He speaks and mentors around the globe in the areas of business, entrepreneurship, leadership, and transformation. His latest book is the best-selling Pivot, the art and science of reinventing your career and life. Adam also hosts the Conscious Pivot podcast, where he shares his insights on pivoting in today's fast-paced market and interviews experts, innovators, and influencers to share their stories and wisdom in the areas of business and life. Adam, welcome to the show, man. Super excited to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what you're most excited about right now? 
Wow, Travis. Well, at this moment, first of all, I am in gratitude for the opportunity to spend time with you and also be able to share some things with your community. So I'm super stoked for that. That's what I'm really grateful for in this moment and very excited about it. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's get right <laughs> into it then. So this is an interesting topic to me, Adam, because it's always something that I've I don't know, struggled with would be the right word, but maybe been intrigued by. And I think it's a topic that's not talked about enough. So I'm excited to jump into it with you. But it's it's this idea of pivoting, whether that be in your business or in your career or whatever other fields that there may be. So I'm curious to know how you got started with all of this. Was it just something that you wanted to teach on and learn about? Or was there something in your life where you had to make a pivot and really taught you a lot? So you were like, hey, I'm going to go help some other people with this. Beautiful. If it's okay with you, I want to circle back to the first part of the question and then go back to the last part where you talked about for yourself and your own experience. It's kind of a cross between intrigue and a struggle. And I think that's very much what the experience is like for a lot of people. When I think about pivoting, so pivoting or the word pivot is really a euphemism for change. So we're talking about making changes in life and and whether those changes are the changes that we design or create on our own, or they're the changes that come because the universe decided. (laughs) And in all likelihood, the universe decided that a change was required because we were ignoring the signs that a change was required, right? Hmm. So that kind of thing is happening. I think that's the interplay of those forces, the struggle and the intrigue. To do something new and different is intriguing. And I think almost there's almost no one I can imagine that wouldn't be intrigued at the thought that they could create something new and different in their life hmm. and have it work out great, You know, have it work out better so that they were actually happier, more fulfilled, had more money, had better relationships, better health, all the kinds of things that everybody wants. But it is this tension between that intrigue and interest, if you will, and the other side of things, which is the struggle with change, the struggle with the fact that things don't stay the same and they're not intended to. And this is me in in the space, I guess, of opinion, as well as my own personal experience individually, as well as working with a lot of people for a lot of years in this arena, that people do struggle with it. And I struggle with it. We all do that change, things will change. And yet it's sort of self-defeating and it feels like struggle at times because there's no stopping change. It would be like trying to stop the tides. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're like, I love it when the tide is up, man. The the beach is so beautiful. Everything looks so pristine. (laughs) And then 12 hours later, it's low tide. And, you know, there's that smell or the beach looks totally different and Mm -hmm. it's not the same environment. doesn't feel the same way. And you go, well, that was I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on your show, but in any event, I apologize. I'm going to have to edit that We'll we'll take it out. We'll take it out. All right, cool. (laughs) You know, the tide is out and you go, wow, this is just not what I want. So it is this idea that change is a constant. And that, Mm -hmm. in fact, is a big deal. That the universe has certain laws and ways of being and operating. And we either operate with those things or we operate in opposition or in resistance to them. So I just at the outset want to say this. Change is not going anyplace. Mm -hmm. We don't get to choose for it to stop anytime soon. We have a different choice to make, and that is whether we will ride the wave of change, whether we'll surf the wave of change, or whether we're going to try to somehow fortify our ourselves and protect ourselves from the inevitable. And I think a lot of people, they live their lives in that protection mode, in playing it safe and playing for the status quo, in mediocrity in many ways when it comes to what they're really capable of, that the results they're getting are, don't feel like what they're 
what's their true potential. And I was in the same exact place. I was protecting myself, protecting and guarding my possessions, guarding my life, guarding my way of life, guarding my the image that I'd created for myself, the identity that I'd had, because I spent 18 years as a practicing attorney in, in New York and New Jersey. I was a lawyer. And my road, when you asked that question of where did my pivot begin? Well, it began long before that, but I was unconscious of it. I was just going about life in, in much the same way I think we've all been taught to do it. So I got through school. I didn't get great grades, but I got through school. Some people can probably identify with that. And I got to college and did okay in college and got out of school and started working a series of jobs, pivoting you know, one thing to the next, and, and then ultimately went back to school because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I went back to school and studied some more and spent three years in, in law school while my wife was working as a teacher and I was working in the evening as well. And three years later, I came out of that situation, a newly minted attorney, and I didn't question it. It just made sense. I'm going to make a bunch of money and I'm going to do work that people respect and I'm going to have a title and a profession and everything's going to be great. And the truth is it was great for a while. Randy and I met in college and we started having a bunch of kids and we're still married 29 Almost 29 years later, we more in love now than or a deeper love than we had when we first even met and fell in love and four healthy kids and life is good. But eight years ago, nine years ago, I was waking up in the morning and putting my feet on the floor and feeling this dread for the day ahead. I was feeling anxiousness, anxiety yeah. even and pain. And that was because I didn't have a lot of enthusiasm for my work. I didn't love what I was doing. I felt like my soul was sort of shriveling up on the inside. I was selling my soul for money. And there was no signs that that was going to end anytime soon because my colleagues in my profession were pretty much miserable and angry. And I was going down the road of anger and misery pretty hard myself. And so this is really the essence of the book. We can get into that and what changes I made because at a certain point I had to decide whether I was going to continue to play that card you know, protection and status quo and, you know, protect my houses and cars and all the possessions and things we accumulated, or I was going to question it all and look at really where I wanted to be in my life and what the road ahead would look like as well. So that was the journey. That's where the pivot began. And there's a lot of richness in it. And that's also what led to the book being written. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own 
preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at Indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah. And that's really where I wanted to spend a little bit of time because that one question is, I feel like the one that's spinning around in most people's heads as far as like, when is the time to pivot? So like, when is enough enough? Am I going to do it too early? I'm going to do it too late. Am I like, because that's the whole argument is in my opinion, I feel like I'm always the person that gives up on something a little bit too early, not in the sense of like, I quit a lot of things just in the sense that like, like if I were in that position, once I get in a position that I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm really uncomfortable doing this. Why is this like, this doesn't make any sense that I keep doing this. I basically am really okay with just taking off and leaving it. So when, for example, when I was in one of the first door to door jobs that I had, eventually I was like, this is not something that I really want to do anymore. And so within like a month of feeling that way, I was like, all right, I'm done. I had no idea what I was doing next. I took like six months off. My wife went back to work. I just did a bunch of personal development. That's when I really started getting into podcasting, all that kind of stuff, which has led to where I am now. But I feel like I probably stopped a little bit too early, but I also feel like that most people probably stop a little bit too late and cheat themselves out of a lot of different things because of fear and things like that. So how do you know if it's the right time for you to make a pivot? Yeah. Thank you. What a great question, Travis. And I appreciate your vulnerability as well in, in using yourself as an example. You know, it's interesting because yeah, now just this awareness just came to me. So again, I, I say that just as a warning sign to anybody listening that's like, <laughs> maybe, maybe this doesn't make sense. We'll see. <laughs> I think there's a generational difference right now. I'm in great shape. I'm going to live to 140. My wife and I, we've decided we're going to be celebrating our 75th wedding anniversary. We already created a vision board for it. I mean, so I'm not worried about the fact that I'm in my early 50s. I'm 53. So our kids, we have four kids and our youngest is, is 17 and our oldest is 25 going to be 26. So, you know, she's a millennial. I mean, I think technically they might all be millennials, but in any event, that's the same boat that I'm in, by the way, I'm 25. Yeah. And that's what I was sort of intuiting that there's a difference generationally now in how you handle this thing I call the misery, right? The mediocrity, because I really believe that your generation is much more empowered at this point to, to make those decisions. You know, this isn't working and I'm miserable or I don't want to be miserable. This is not my calling, my purpose, all that kind of thing. I think you guys are more ready to make those decisions or at least have those awarenesses much earlier than my generation or, you know, some folks that are older than me even. I think we were brought up not really appreciating or understanding or aware of the fact that there were the options hmm. that, that you could actually say no to things because you could get into a profession and you go, well, okay, this is what I chose. You know, I'm, I got to stick it out, man. I, you know, this is, <laughs> this is the road I'm on, or this is the bed I made and all that kind of stuff. And there's sort of like these points that you get for not quitting something or for just sticking it out, et cetera. And so, yeah, I mean, I grew up with teachers in part, I'd say the teaching profession is rich with people who don't love what they do. And I know that sounds awful, 
But it's been my experience that there's a lot of people teaching kids, not so much elementary school, but middle and, and high school. There are some really burned out teachers, man. Yeah. And they are in a system which, of course, they're there. They're locked in. They've got pensions and they've got tenure and stuff. And I was a teacher. I spent, so I'm not talking completely out of my rear end here. Yeah. I spent two years as a middle school English teacher. My wife was 17 years as a, an elementary ed teacher. And the system is terrible. They pay teachers too little. I mean, the whole thing kind of sucks in, in so many ways. And yet... There's also this idea that somehow once you're in it, you're trapped. And a lot of the teachers, when I started, I was in for two years, as I said, and, and teachers, other teachers were saying to me, hey, Adam, you don't have an ed degree. So I was teaching in the city of New York and they'd hire anybody with a degree. So if you had a bachelor's degree, you could get a job teaching for the city because okay. you know, it was tough. Some of the neighborhoods, et cetera. So teachers were saying to me, get out buddy, get out, Like, <laughs> stop, yeah. you know, like in the teacher's lounge. And back then they're smoking, there's a smoking lounge and there's coffee and smoke, you know, and cigarettes and stuff. So it's just awful, man. And they'd say, you just need to leave this thing. You need to stop as soon as possible. You don't want to become like us. So in any event, I had, that was sort of my first pivot, I suppose, hmm. where I consciously decided this isn't going to work. I'm going to do something else. And I went back to school, became a lawyer and did that until I realized that that was killing me. That was slowly killing me mm -hmm. to do yeah. something that my heart wasn't in. So in any event, I'm thinking that there's something to the fact that your generation and those that are coming along now are probably more empowered with information and opportunity, or at least the idea that there's opportunity and options out there that they don't have to continue to do something that totally feels like it sucks or that it's sucking the life out of them, right? Yeah. So th like so many things in life, I believe it is the extremes that cause people pain. Mm -hmm. So the extreme of I'm working in something for three months and and I think Simon Sinek has, has perpetuated a little bit of the stereotype about millennials, which I don't buy into, I don't believe as well. And I think there's a stereotype that the millennials might be quick to determine, you know, I don't think this is really my heart's desire and I'm being, obviously I'm being facetious now, but you know, this isn't really feeling great and all this kind of stuff of where they'll go, yeah, I got to stop or I'm going to leave or yeah. whatever. And then there's this other, so that's one extreme and it's a stereotype. And then there's this other extreme, which is not so much a stereotype of some folks that grew up thinking you keep one job forever and you retire and they take care of you in retirement mm -hmm. and all that yeah. kind of nonsense, which turned out to be a lie, by totally. the way. Totally. Yeah. So I think a part of the reason why younger folks get that there's something to consider here or to look at more, not so much skeptically, but look at critically, is that that lie was perpetuated on their parents. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these folks grew up seeing their parents lose their job after 25 years of service or, or whatever it might have been, 30 years of service and stuff. They lost their pension or didn't get a pension or you know whatever it was and didn't get the gold watch and couldn't retire and all the sort of the mythical you know, the unicorn of would be like to work for a company from beginning to end and be able to live out your retirement in comfort. There's just a lot of evidence to the fact that that was BS, yeah. BS, right? Story. So I think that's the thing, that's the lens, part of the lens we have to look at pivoting through making yeah. change. And, and obviously for folks that are interested in what's What's this really about? How is it that you recognize whether you're in a pivot mm -hmm. or a pivot is coming or, you know, what is the process for pivoting? That's what's in the book. Mm -hmm. The book was written for our kids. I mean, when I started to write the book, I told my wife, I said, I, I want there to be some sort of a guidebook for our four kids that yeah. when they were uncertain of their path in mm -hmm. their profession or their career or their, or their life, even that they had something to go on. And I guess who better 
At that point, I didn't mm -hmm. figure it was a big ego thing for me to write about <laughs> kids, right? I just wanted them to know I was in pain and how I, you know, was that I was suffering mm -hmm. and what did I do about it so that I actually created something entirely new. I well, pivoted and created you know, something new. And that's how the book was originally birthed was for them. And then my oldest daughter said, dad, this is for everybody. And that's how it, <laughs> that's okay. how it started to be. Yeah, for and I really like that you use the word when there, like when they come to a point where they're just unsure about what's happening instead of an if, because like you were saying, I think our culture just demands almost too much of a teenager to, you know, say, what are you going to do when you grow up type thing? But it's not just an idea. It's just like, a, no, we need to know because now you got to declare your major. Like you're in college now, you're 18. <laughs> like, tell me what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Like, ready, go, you know? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I haven't tried anything. I haven't done anything. Like, how do I know? And like, what you're saying is exactly, I feel like the blueprint that a lot of people go through is like, you go out, you become a teacher, you realize it's not for you. Then you go back to school, then you become a lawyer. And then you do that and you realize it's not for you again. <laughs> and then you go, it's like, there's just so many different, you know, it's just such a big trial and error. I, very, very, very rarely does anybody actually go to college for one specific thing, go out, do that exact thing and stay doing it throughout their entire career. So that's definitely some of the stuff that I wanted to kind of get into to help people realize like, look, just have some patience, especially if you are in my shoes, if you're in your twenties or early thirties or something like that, like we have time, don't feel like we got to figure everything out right now. As long as you know what the next step is, then you can always follow that. So perfect. Adam, I'd love to get into more of the conversation of networking since this is the build your network podcast. To hear more Beautiful. about pivoting, go pick up a copy of Adam's book, Pivot. There's so much great content that he's putting out there on this specific topic. And it's such a needed, needed conversation. And just there's just not enough people talking about it. So go pick up a copy of Adam's book, Pivot. And then Adam, this is the way I get this conversation started every time. This is the question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? Meaning which is more important, what I know or who I know? Is that the question? Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's a great one. What I know or who I know. Yeah, man. That's really interesting. I don't want to make up an answer here. So I'm feeling into what that might yeah, look like. Take, take your time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because the thing that we were talking about earlier, I think plays out in this question as well, which is that they're sort of, they're opposite. They seem like poles. There's polarity or opposites mm -hmm, there that, mm -hmm. that they're in opposition to one another and they're sort of extremes. And I think it's always this place in the middle. So in a more Eastern philosophy called the Tao, it's always, it's the Tao translates into the way. What is the way? The way of center, the way of the middle ground, the way of balance or harmony, yin and yang. And I think that's really the answer even to this question right now is it's a combination, just like the knowing when to quit, to give up on something that's not working versus the blind loyalty or blind, you know, stubbornness or just playing it safe, knowing something's not working, you know, you won't quit. I think it's the middle ground that we are all in the process of learning and pivoting really is about looking at the creative opportunity in every situation and balancing it or, or harmonizing it better between that instinct to quit something that doesn't feel good or mm -hmm. to stick with something blindly. And I think it's the same thing with what you know and who you know. It's a combination of those two things. So yeah, in some cases, I've succeeded in my life because of the people that I was around, meaning so the environment that I curate of people, of mentors, of coaches, of folks that I regularly speak to, collaborate with, et cetera, that's been a huge influence. And then there's this other piece of it, which is my life experience. And what did I learn? What did I learn from being a lawyer? I mean, right now I, I speak on the topic of reinvention and 
both personal and, and professional a transition. And I speak all over the world and train people to be speakers and things like that. When I'm training somebody to do that, either to transition out of one thing and into another or training them to speak on a topic, for example, in their workplace or in some other thing they're really passionate about, it's knowledge that helps me. It helps me to have experience to be able to lead other people. So it's both. And I'm a bothist. So... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Hopefully that answers the question. No, totally. Totally. So when I first started the show, I usually let people get away with that answer, but I'm going to make, I'm going to put your feet to the fire here and make you pick one, not in the sense of like, which one's more important for what you've done or whatever, but in the sense of if you're listening to this, right, if there's a listener out there right now, Adam, and there's, and they're wondering like, okay, I know both of them are important, but which one should I spend more time on this year? Should I spend okay. more time on building a network of people that are you know better than me at what I do and learning from them or should I spend more time at events, conferences and reading books and taking online courses and what should they spend more time on? Which one has more positive ROI in the long term? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say something that I'm I'm going to weigh out for myself as I say it, which is that your environment is stronger than anything else. So Yogananda said your environment is stronger than willpower. And I believe that. And to me, curating the environment of people in your life is the most important thing. Relationships are everything. So no matter how much book knowledge, and this is where it's a conflict for me because reading and attending programs where those programs make sense and getting coaching, getting or finding a mentor, which I think is more on the side of environment of the people side, perhaps. But the idea of learning more is less of an urgency to me than curating better relationships, better communication. So that's my answer. That's exactly where I was trying to point the conversation in because you're totally right. You have to have both. You have to have a level of both. You cannot be completely incompetent and just know a lot of people or else you're just going to know a lot of people who think you're incompetent. So you have to be competent. You have to be knowledgeable. You have to have skill set, and you have to work on these things and you have to read and do all that kind of stuff. But I've just always found that the more time that I've put into building my inner circle of people. And like you said, creating an environment that is more conducive of growth, that is where I see the most positive ROI in terms of my long-term growth. Because like you said, a mentorship is learning, but a mentorship is more the connection. It's not more the learning, if that makes sense. Like you will always learn from the connections that you make, but you will not always make connections from the knowledge that you gain, if that makes sense. I feel like yeah. the who is more perpetuating of the what. Does that make sense? It No, it does. It does. In fact, it's uh, hearkening to advice I gave my kids as they would leave for college or still have one to go, but we say go to class. That's it. Like <laughs> party and do all the stuff you're going to do for sure. But go to class because you're going to learn by osmosis from being in the environment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you're also saying is that when you're around people who are, they're great. These are amazing people. They know more than I know about certain things, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn just being in their presence yeah, in, in totally. ways that you can't even predict. Totally. Totally. I mean, there's so much stuff there. The first time I ever realized this, like really in my life, Adam, super, super small example, but it taught me a huge lesson. And it was when I was a little kid and my dad got a ping pong table and he played his whole life. So we got one and I, of course, was horrible at it. I was like, you know, 10, 11 years old. And then, or no, I was probably like 13, 14 in junior high or something. And, and my dad and I started playing all the time and he would beat me every single time by a lot. 
And it just never seemed like I was going to be able to beat him. And so one day I did, and you know, maybe a year and a half, two years later of us playing pretty frequently, I started beating him and then was 15, 16. We were really competitive and all that kind of stuff. And so my skill level went from absolutely nothing to actually pretty good to where I could beat most people that I played even at 15 or whatever. But it was because I was playing my dad who was just light years above where I was when I was 13 or 14. So if I go back now and I were to play my 15 year old self, I would be like the same skill level because me and my dad never went and found somebody that was on a different level than we were and played with them to again, exponentially increase our skill level with that. So mm. I caught up very quick, but I never surpassed because I never kept working at it, if that makes sense. And I feel like it's the same thing when it comes to relationships. If you find somebody that's just on a completely different level than you are, it's always going to raise you to that average a lot faster than you can do it by yourself. A hundred percent agree with that. I mean, to me, we call them pivot people in the book. And part of what I think pivot people are for it is to make you better. I mean, that's the reason why you cultivate certain groups, certain relationships for your personal growth and for your professional growth. So for us, it's the stakeholders. These are the people that are, are closest to you. They're the people that are most influenced or impacted by you the pivot, the thing that you're changing or, or doing new and different, et cetera. And then there are the mentors. And these are people, as you've described, that they've been to a place on the mountain you haven't been. Mm -hmm. And it's so important. Like I spend a little bit of my time in mentorship. So I both am mentored and I mentor others because I've been to certain places that others haven't. So if you've not spoken to 12,000 people, if you've not been on stage, you know, multiple times with some of the biggest names in the speaking or in the personal development field, whether it's Tony Robbins or whoever it is, I've done those things. I've run a personal development training company. We did a hundred events a year and things like that. So when people want to learn about speaking, they work with myself or my company for that mentorship. And when I'm working on my skills, I work with someone and I get mentored by people who've done things that I've yet to do. So mentors are so, they're so important. And and I love the analogy of, or the example of the ping pong table, because it's the same thing for me. I grew up, we didn't have a ping pong table. My dad and I would play when we'd, we'd be at a friend's house that had a table or we'd go on vacation and play. And I'm about as good as my dad. Now I'm older. My dad's older than me by 30 or so years. And he's still pretty athletic and stuff. So I can beat him now more regularly. But back then, it just as you, I caught up to him pretty quickly. And then it was a kind of a battle back and forth, yep, back and forth, exactly. back and forth. Yeah. Exactly. And I never, never played with somebody that was so much better than me or had just that much more experience that I could raise my game to a level where my dad could probably not keep up. Right. I didn't do that. So those mentors are so, they're so vital. And then there's a third group of stakeholders or of pivot people that we call your peer group. And we call them your mastermind peer group. And I think this is also for your, your listeners really important that they, somebody goes, Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I'd love to hang around with people that know a lot more than me and are multimillionaires or they're super happy all the time or whatever it is that you're looking for to, you know, looking to improve in your life and find those folks. They say, well, I don't know where those folks are, or I don't know them or they might say no to me or something. I say, well, start with a peer group because the power of the mastermind is something that I was introduced to through Napoleon Hill. I've created masterminds and teach, you know, mastermind facilitation to folks. And there's something really incredible absolutely incredible and even miraculous about when two or more people come together in harmony with the intention of creating plans, of planning, of working through a planning process. That's Napoleon Hill's definition of what a mastermind is. So you coming together in harmony to sit and have a beer isn't a mastermind because the purpose is not to create plans and to work on each other. 
It's to get happy, have, have, yeah. have a cocktail, whatever it is, laugh. So it's a different purpose. But when you do get together with a few people, you know, at least one other person, what happens is this, like two minds come together to create a third mind that's called the mastermind. And miracles really can happen. Magic happens in the space where you're calling in something that you might call infinite intelligence or divine intelligence, et cetera. So those, those are really the three groups. And we're talking about working with people or creating, working on relationships and, yeah. and curating a new environment. Those three groups are great areas to begin. Love it. Love it. We could talk about this for so much longer, Adam, but we are running out of time. So let's go ahead and move on to the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Sure. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Professional tennis player. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Dr. King. He was a brave man doing something that was unthinkable at the time, and he had a vision that stretched out thousands and thousands of years. How do you like to consume content, books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? I love to read, and I also love to listen to books on Audible these days. What is a book that you've read or listened to recently that you'd highly recommend? The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. This is my favorite thing. So I wake up every day, and my prayer, I say it as a prayer, because it's gratitude that I have for this, the opportunity that we all wake up tomorrow. So this is a prayer for myself, for you, Travis, for your wife, for your family, for everybody who's listening, that we all get to wake up tomorrow because we woke up today for sure. And it might sound funny, but we're awake in this moment and there's no guarantee that we're going to be awake tomorrow. That's a gift. So there's three parts to my waking ritual. It's the most important time of the day. the moment when your your soil, the soil of your mind is the most fertile is right as you wake up in the morning. So there's three parts. One, you wake up. Two, we're grateful. Grateful in that moment for that breath, that consciousness, because in that moment we can be aware, fully aware that there are people taking their very last breath right then, right in that moment. So there's something for us to be grateful for. That's number two. What are you grateful for right then and there? And three, if you're willing to do it for that day, that day tomorrow, hopefully, and then for a series of days after it, which minimally is 21 days, you declare out loud these words, I love my life. I love my life. I love my life. That is my waking routine every day. Love it. What is your go-to pump-up song? Oh, great question. It changes from time to time, but there's an old Boston tune called Peace of Mind that I just turned that thing up to 11. And yeah, I love that song, Peace of Mind, Boston. (laughs) What are you not very good at? I am not very good at certain aspects of technology. I don't have the patience for the computer when it's not doing what it's supposed to do. And then if I'm a guy, if I got to figure it out, I just lose all patience, I guess. (laughs) As we get everything wrapped up here, Adam, what is one place online where we'll be able to find you the most? Oh, way cool. So there's two places in particular. One is a gift that I would love to give to your listeners because they've they're in the process of change, whether they're aware of it, not aware of it, or, or what have you. We're all in the process of change. It's the one constant in the universe. So it's called startmypivot.com, startmypivot.com, where they'll get a kickstart guide. And it was nothing we're selling. It's just a gift that we hope that people will seize because it's really powerful when you begin to ask better questions because you get better answers. So there's six questions as well as what our routines are, the rituals that we've created for not only pivoting, but for resilience in the face of the pivot in the face of the changes. So 
startmypivot.com is where they can get that, or they can go to adammarkell.com forward slash podcast to listen to our podcast, which is The Conscious Pivot. Perfect, perfect. Please go check out some of the stuff that Adam's putting out there. One of the best that I've ever heard, especially on this topic. So Adam, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I really had a great time talking with you. What a blast, Travis. Thanks for having me. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.